How are we doing folks? Matt Whitmore here of Fitter Food Radio and this is episode number 26. I'm of course here with my beautiful girlfriend, business partner, Rock, <laughs> and general amazingly awesome person, Keris Marsden. What's going on, Keris? All the listeners are going, bleh. <laughs> oh, Matt, leave it out. <laughs> Thank you. Love you, it's, it's, un- <laughs> it's understandable. <laughs> oh, well, at least you're not modest. <laughs> I'm going to get you to intro episode, uh, episode 27 and uh, see if you can be as nice as me. Well, do you know what, actually, when you were... Um, recently away uh, traveling I was thinking should I try and do a podcast on my own maybe interview um, get in touch with a couple of our nutrition friends and do one but I just can't do the whole presenter thing I think it's just that's just your forte I'm just better as a co-star as a guest <laughs> a co-star. so are you admitting that you're a guest on my podcast <laughs> yeah essentially i just chip <laughs> I in i am fit of food yeah i just chip in so guys uh hope you've loved the episode so far um if you haven't checked out the the last couple of episodes which have gone out i know there was a bit of a break but episode 24 episode 25 are out um in episode 24 we had a good old chat about pcos polycystic ovarian syndrome to which uh, we we actually had a pcos elimination plan lined up to start on the 11th of august but off the back of that podcast we were i think safe to say overwhelmed massively overwhelmed with the response to that podcast uh, so much so that we are we've got a bit of an announcement to make on the plan uh, do you want to do it um, yeah, just to say that we are um, just postponing it um, to start a little bit later. So it's going to start in yeah. September because of the amount of people that have got in touch. Again, just um, really, I suppose, heartbreaking just how many women have been affected you know, by PCOS and, yeah. and similar um, similar symptoms. So what we're trying to do But it's is awesome that so many women are uh, taking, you know, action. taking action yeah. and wanting to do something about it. So. Absolutely brilliant. And what we're trying to do is um, firstly just give ourselves a bit more time to make sure we can get back in touch and speak to each individual because this is quite an individual plan. Um, and sometimes the approach that we're going to take for the whole plan, the, the nutrition and training and guidance that we're going to give is quite tailored to various things um, in terms of things like hormone results mm-hmm. and tests that you might have had done so we're trying to get every single participant to get a set of test results yeah. before the plan starts and uh, so that's why we've decided to just um, postpone it slightly so everyone's got time to do that and then that means we can do more targeted lifestyle interventions and 100%. yeah and be more effective in our approach and really exciting that we've we've just got this opportunity to work with so many people and um, mm, yeah. and really help them so yeah just a quick announcement that if I haven't got back in touch with you um, and got round to calling you, I, I'm just, I'm on it, I'm all over it. I just... Uh, we will. Yeah. <laughs> we will. So yeah, we're Absolutely. looking to, to, to move it to some point in September. But everyone who has signed up, you will be receiving an email, which you probably would have received before you've even listened to this podcast. But yeah. just putting it out there just in case. And another um, exciting announcement that we have is off the back of the podcast with the amazing Claire Harding who we just loved chatting to didn't we about fit food families so lots of people ask me and Matt one about um, children's nutrition and secondly about making it feasible for the Mm -hmm. whole family and obviously because we don't have children we only have Hamish our little puppy to be fair he's even more work than children I think he's he's enough of a handful I think (laughs) yeah constant constant attention is demanded there uh, but yeah so we are recruiting Claire to help us put together a family plan and what we're going to do family. um yeah and in there is going to be advice on batch cooking on sourcing ingredients for um, I mean she has four kids so 
um, for, you know, for large families and how you can save money, where to save money. And the plan will be mentored by the lovely Claire, um, which is fantastic. So she has hands-on experience as well as Matt and I being there in the background just talking about the importance of nutrition for kids and giving them a good foundation. And I know some people might be thinking, well, surely... Um, your take on nutrition is going to be just feed kids um, exactly what you recommend for adults. And yeah, that's absolutely true. That is our approach generally. Children's need is in some ways greater than adults in terms of building a good um, mental health and, and physical health all through um, childhood and teens. But one thing that me and you don't have a lot of advice for is things like the protests that you're probably going to receive from yeah. kids and how Claire has moderated between um, allowing some like treat foods in there and some, some non, non-fitter food, um, paleo primal foods into their nutrition and, and balanced it really and come to compromise. And she's got some amazing, some of the things she has done um, in terms of involving them in the cooking process and in the decision-making process over what it's going to be for dinner. Some, some of the things she's done are genius. Create, like, so creative. I mean, definitely definitely listen to episode 25 yeah, where she, she lists all of them. That's because... I just think, God, I'm so going to use this when we have kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to be on the phone to her all the time. What did you say when this happened? (laughs) What did you do? (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, moving on. Should we get into it? Yeah. Okay, okay. so I'd quite like to talk about uh, some of the bits and bobs I learned at the Phil Learny Hypertrophy workshop in London. Interesting stuff. Um, So, yeah, so I went back to London um, to attend the Phil Learny Hypertrophy workshop, which uh, hypertrophy pretty much just means... Getting jacked, <laughs> packing on muscle, um, which buff. which I'm massively passionate about. I love uh, and me. Oh yeah, and you, <laughs> and you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've been following Phil Learning stuff for some time, and um, Keris and I absolutely love his work, both on a nutrition and a training front. So it was definitely worth the uh, the flight home uh, to attend this workshop. Plus, I got to catch up with uh, some some good old friends and familiar faces, as as we often do, don't we, when we go to these courses. So it's generally just a pretty awesome day, but uh, but yeah. So this this workshop was predominantly about hypertrophy, hence the name of the workshop. Um, and as you guys well know, I'm sure that building muscle goes way beyond just what you kind of do in the gym. Uh, you know, nutrition and other lifestyle factors come into it. However, this workshop was predominantly about the the training aspect of p- packing on muscle. But something I want to talk about is is big mistakes kind of people make you know, in their quest to pack on muscle, especially when it comes to reps and sets, people obsess over a particular number of repetitions. And I'm sure you've had this as well, Keris, with clients in that, you know, people like the, the classic three sets of 10 often comes up, you know, and, and or people might, you know, there's a lot now about a minimum amount of sets you must complete for a body part in a workout in order to get results or a specific time under tension, etc., etc., and and it's always kind of frustrated me because I figured that I'd rather someone train consistently than kind of overthink everything, you know. And, and whilst these things are important, consistency for me is key. Yeah, um, I'd say um, sorry to interrupt, but the the downfall of when you do give someone quite strict programs is um, they may not want to because it might be a lot of reps and a lot of sets some days they just may not be able to face it and so they may not do it at all Might not bother. and that's just that's my personal experience I know when I was trying to do some high rep stuff it took all the will in the world to get me to the gym some days or what about a day you know this is something that, that I come across a lot 
let's say they've only got 30 minutes to train. Yeah. Yet in their head they've planted the seed that they must hit a minimum amount of sets or they must train for 45 minutes minimum in order to get results. So therefore, well, I can't do that so much, I'm not bother. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a load of rubbish because for me, you know, the doing is, is where it's at, you know. Don't obs- yeah, definitely, you know, have that structure where you do a certain amount of sets and reps, etc. But don't obsess over it. And that if it was a day where you wanted to train, by all means, just go and do a couple of supersets. You know, the amount of times that I've gone to the gym, even whilst we've been here, and I've just done like a superset of pull-ups and barbell back squats, for example. And I might just do five sets of five reps on just those two exercises. So, yeah, I've only done ten sets. Does that mean I'm not going to have benefited from that workout? No, I'm not going to gain anything? Yeah. Of course I am. And I suppose the other side of it is that people, um, if the program isn't working for them, um, are still so convinced that that's hypertrophy because that's the definition given by the magazines, yeah. by trainers, by whatever they've sourced that information from. Yeah. And so we're almost scared to stop the program and try something different. that might Because it might not be working for them, essentially, which we've seen. Oh, God, we see it all the time. I mean, like... I mean, we know people, some people that we've spoken to that have stuck to training plans for six months, 12 months, maybe even years, you know, and they still turn around and go, well, it's just, just, you know, I've just not got any stronger, I've not put in any more muscle, you know, like, just, it's, I don't get it. But What's it, um, I think it's Poliquin who says, isn't it, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different, different results. Different results, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, 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 that hits the nail on the head for me because... I think someone assumes that because they've read something in quite a popular magazine or on a popular website... Or seen it work for somebody else. Exactly, that it's gospel, it must work, and that they just must need to just continue at it. But trust me, like, your body will change, it will adapt quite quickly, and that goes for nutrition and training. And believe me, if over 12 months nothing has changed, then there's a good chance it ain't working. And you need to do something about it. What would be a, a typical hypertrophy workout then for you? If, if you were writing one for, let's write one for a man and one for a woman and different factors like about their body or physique that you might take into account. You can often tell from, you know, if a new client kind of walks through the door, you can tell pretty much immediately just by looking at them, looking at their general structure and build and how much muscle mass they're carrying, how much body fat they're carrying and where they're carrying it of what you think will work best for them you know so if you get a guy that walks in who's very very lean very very slim build you know a typical ectomorph you know my first thought isn't going to be i'm going to get him to figure out what his one rep max is we're going to do tons of strength based work you know and we're going to work from there you know i'm going to know that this guy is predominantly slow twitch and that i'm going to probably want to focus on a repetition range that, that's going to benefit someone with more predominantly slow twitch muscle fibers. So I'm going to go to the higher end of the scale, maybe between the kind of eight and eight to twelve repetition range for three to four sets, depending on their their lifting um, experience. You know, if, if there's someone who's completely new to weight training, then I'm going to keep the, the the sets a little bit lower. I'm not going to do as many total number of sets across a workout. You know, I'm not going to absolutely annihilate them with a you know like a forty 40 set workout whereas if someone obviously has been training for some time and they just need a few kind of tweaks and twerks then i can get away with you know i might bump it up to to four four sets per exercise and i might do anywhere between about 12 to 15 sets in total total for that muscle group 
but that's if someone who's got a bit of a decent lifting history. Someone who hasn't, they might get away with six to nine sets for, for a muscle group, for example, sometimes so, even less. And what would you say in terms of how would you structure their week then? So this is an ectomorph comes into you and wants to put on muscle mass. How many they've, training days? They've trained days? previously. Yeah. How many training days would they have? How would you space them out? And would you put any cardio or intervals in there? Well, if their goal is uh, predominantly to gain muscle, then I probably wouldn't prescribe any specific cardio per se. I'd just get them to stick to weight-based movements initially to see how they respond. As they've lifted before, then I'd probably get them into the gym about four times a week. And I'd get them to spread that out, maybe training a couple of muscle groups at a time. So, for example, you might do a, a push-pull on um, one day, you know, so maybe some chest and back, get some bicep exercises in there. Uh, another day we might have a massive focus on legs, get a little bit of shoulder work in. And then by all means, you know, we could repeat those workouts again in terms of those muscle groups, but just mix up the order, maybe play around with the repetition range a little bit because I'm quite a big fan of training muscle groups more than once a week, Okay. you know, rather than the typical chest day, back day, leg day, etc., etc. Does that mean you'd have to do legs twice a week? Hell yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. When it comes to legs, I think it was, um, oh, who was it? Oh, I can't remember now who it was. It was on Facebook and he said, if someone put a gun to your head and said that you need to add an inch to your legs, otherwise I'm going to put a bullet through your head, would you train legs once a week? It's like, hell no. Like, <laughs> it's true, you wouldn't. Um, and the thing is, if you think of your legs, like you probably use your legs day to day more than you do other muscle groups, you know, like walking to and from, yeah. crouching down to pick something up, etc., etc., running for a train, you know, so even for the more sedentary types you know, your legs are used a lot. So therefore, it can take quite a lot to break them down in order to stimulate them for growth. So once a week just probably isn't going to really cut it. You know, you could definitely up it to twice a week for sure to get better results. So rather than assigning one day to just hitting your legs and annihilating them and then not being able to walk for three or four days, you'd be probably better off halving that workout and splitting it across two sessions in the week or another option is you might do a more quad-focused uh, workout and then like a hamstring and glute-focused workout, for example. What would be, uh, just give listeners an idea of some quad exercises and some hamstring glute exercises, just in case. They don't okay, know. so I mean, straight away, I mean, you can do, sometimes it is just a variation of a particular exercise, like for the squat, for example. If you was to take a, a slightly narrower stance, so maybe just wider than hip width, toes angled out just a little bit, but then elevate your heels either by wearing some Olympic lifting shoes or standing with your heels on some uh, plates. some plates. Elevate the heels, and this will allow you to maintain a, a more upright posture with your torso, and it will allow you to, to, to get a greater angle at the knee, so be able to come further forward with the knee. You know, your knees will come over your toes, which is absolutely fine, um, and therefore you'll be able to emphasise the load on the quads a lot more because of the elevation of the heels. Don't go wrong, like... Uh, Things like your hammies and your glutes will still be working, but the most bulk of the emphasis will be on your quads. Uh, but then you could just adjust that technique a little bit, remove the plates, so remove the elevation of the heels, and take your stance slightly wider. And then from there, you probably won't be able to get as big a range because of the, the reduced elevation of the heel, but this will allow you to create uh, much more focus on the, on the glutes and the hamstrings. Again, the quads will be working, but it's just you're just kind of shifting 
the focus to a different part of the to, to the lower body does that make sense yeah, yeah absolutely i remember my olympic shoes i think i've only used them about you won once <laughs> i bought a pair of olympic shoes for myself keris was really jealous and said i want some i think just because they look pretty cool so i bought her some and she wore them once to try them on i think and they were, I thought, well, these are nice. I don't know why I didn't carry on with them. They were supposed to be amazing. And actually, when I wore them in class, loads of people were like, oh, I like your shoes. They are quite but Again, I, th- I think this just goes with, um, like, forgive me if uh, I'm just kind of waffling here, but uh, the power of varying things is so important. And a lot of people who I know that squat always squat in lifting shoes. Yeah. Or they never wear lifting shoes. Whereas for me, when I do, I mean, I love squats. Believe me, I've not got the biggest legs in the world. But, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty strong and, you know, like I love training, I love doing squats. I don't know what it is about them. Maybe it's because they're so brutal. There's something really satisfying about it. But I vary my squats. So, you know, sometimes I wear lifting shoes uh, with a narrow stance, bring the knees right forward to emphasize the quads. Sometimes no lifting shoes, wide, wider stance. I do bottom position squats where I set the bar. They're horrible. With pins, exactly. And so you eliminate momentum, you power up from the bottom. Sometimes I, I just do pause squats where I pause at the bottom for like three to five seconds anyway, and really kind of create that kind of isometric tension in the lower body and power up. You know, varying your squat stance, elevation of the heels, etc., allows you to hit the, le- the legs from a more kind of more all-round focus. So rather than doing just predominantly quad-dominant squats, yeah. you know, you mix it up and you hit all of them, et cetera, et cetera. And, that was, you know, I was going to say, that was um, just whilst one that we should do an entire episode on squats, just... Because there is so much to say about them. I know that sounds strange to yeah. some people, but I would say my issue with squats and a lot of women's issues with squats is women are already quad dominant. Mm-hmm. And so it's quite hard to get glute activated, hamstrings activated yeah. on a squat. Um, and obviously people mentioned tight hip flexors is another reason. And I always found split squats way more effective for me in terms of activating glutes. Um, and yeah, I mean, well, split split squats are, are an awesome way to hit the hamstrings yeah. and, and and to hit the glutes because um, this is something that Lerny mentioned actually, who which I, I thought was awesome in that when it comes to training, it's all about placing the muscle under tension, right? Yeah. But what he was saying is that there's certain exercises where you don't even need to think about placing the muscle under tension because it it'd be a natural reflex. Yeah, it just automatically creates that tension. So, yeah. for example, the um, like a lateral raise, for example, you know, the second you raise your arms up at your sides, yeah, you feel them working. Even with no dumbbells, is there tension in your medial deltoid? Yeah, yeah. Like you haven't had to think about that. You've just risen your arms up and boom, it's kind of happened. Yeah. So that's like one example of an exercise where tension just occurs. Okay. Um, same with a bicep curl. You know, if you think of a bicep curl, the last third of a curl is almost across gravity. So naturally, unless you really focus on placing tension on the muscle, the bicep will relax, right? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah. And it's the same with like a, a split squat, uh, you know, a split squat or a, or a lunge, uh, whichever way you want to look at it. You know, if you elevate the back foot... Naturally, you're yeah, going to work. Straight away, that front leg, it goes into stabilisation mode and that glute and that hamstring and, and quad and everything will kick in. Yeah. You know, that tension kind of just occurs automatically. But as you said, you know, due to women wearing... Well, another thing I would say is women do uh, so much focus on things like cycling and, and spinning and, again, all quad-dominant stuff. Yeah. So I know um, a big issue for me when, when I was doing a lot of training was I just only ever had doms in my quads. 
and really weak glutes and hamstrings, which then led to knee issues, which then got me out of training altogether. So it's something that you should try and really... Well, think about it. Like, before you became a PT, you know, you, you were a big fan of spinning. Yeah. You'd do, like, a ton of spinning. Yeah. Loads of squats. <laughs> lot, lot, lots of squats. You'd wear, he- wear heels to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're doing everything to, to, to make sure that your hamstrings and glutes went to sleep. Yeah, completely. You know? and, your, and your quads were just working overtime. So and it yeah. takes it's a massive journey I think trying to get um trying to when you get that imbalance trying to get it back I almost had to go uh, one out to foam roll quads and hip flexors like religiously which just gets really boring yeah and then avoiding all cycling and um and doing so well, do you remember much when I, I bought work. you a pair of cleated shoes didn't oh, I? yeah yeah you went with cleats yeah and you and you done like a spin class in them and you woke up the next day and your hamstrings were in bits yeah yeah because you had to actually use your use hamstrings, hamstrings in order to, to pull the pedal around. So that so if you are spinning a lot and if it is something you enjoy, I'm not going to knock it because, like I said, I like people to do things that they enjoy and allows them to be consistent. But if you are spinning a lot, buy some cleated shoes um, so, so you're hitting those hamstrings as well and not allowing the quads to just do all the all the work. And I had to do um, another thing was quite a lot of glute bridges and single leg deadlifts and all sorts of stuff to try and get glutes and hamstrings yeah. activated again. It's quite, a, yeah. Well, the glute... If, like, if I just split my workouts a little bit better maybe and not done so much spinning. Well, people just focus on stuff that they, A, they enjoy and B, that they're good, good at. at. yeah. And Absolutely. Which is great, but then, you know, over time, other things are going to switch off. Yeah. You know, like other things are just going to think, oh, well... I'm not getting any stimulus, so I might as well just become soft and underactive. And well, actually, one of the things I suppose I was a big um, treadmill runner, which doesn't activate the posterior train at all, does it? Because the the ground is basically running underneath it's, it's you. It's doing the work of the hamstring and the glutes, yeah. basically. And we discovered that on our um, Russian F- kettlebell challenge uh, functional movement functional course. movement screen, yeah. Yeah, and they were talking about how if the ground doesn't move when you're running on outside obviously so when you're on a treadmill what you do is basically you don't activate the glutes or the hamstrings any of the muscles on the posterior chain so you become quad dominant and then obviously again you're just risking injury because you get such an imbalance and so do you remember the um the amount of we we spoke to uh we've had this with so many clients who train for um a marathon for example and because obviously a marathon, the, the marathon in the UK is in April, so a lot of people, when they start their training, is in the kind of uh, the heart of winter. It's wet, it's cold. A lot of people don't really want to go outside running, so a lot of people start their marathon training on a treadmill, and they're doing tons and tons of treadmill running. And then lo and behold, when they do finally decide to man up and go outside, and they start upping up their up in their distance, and the next thing you know, they they pulled a hamstring or done their knee in and and i'm telling you like not necessarily all the time but most of the time it's due to the fact their quads have become so strong yeah hamstrings and glutes so weak Weak. yeah that they place this demand on them and then boom you know something just goes and either they can't then participate in the marathon or it massively sets them back i mean like don't get me wrong you know a bit of treadmill running from time to time you know why not i'd rather someone do that than nothing at all but ideally Get your ass Get outside, outside. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Up some hills um, and down some hills. Another cool thing, I mean, this this should really, you know, go without saying, is that, you know, people naturally have, like, stronger muscle groups than others. You know, people favour certain muscle groups because they might enjoy training it more, etc. But 
it's really important that you do bring your weaker muscle groups up to speed. And a good one to kind of talk about is the is the anterior delt, which is obviously the, 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 the front of the shoulder, because it works so much generally in that, you know, you think of every chest exercise, you're working your anterior delt. When you're doing like a shoulder press, you know, you know, you're going to be hitting your anterior delt. And a lot of people, when they train their back, probably don't activate their posterior delt as much as they should. Yep. Ask anyone where an, uh, posterior delt work features in their shoulder routine, and it'll probably be just one token exercise at the end of the workout. You know, they'll start off with dumbbell shoulder presses, barbell presses, front raises, side raises, yet their weakest part of their shoulder is being done last. You what, know, would the, what would those exercises be that you would work that? So you could do like a simple standing um, delt, like deltoid, uh, posterior delt like raises so just stood up grabbing hold of the the ends of the cable machine and just squeezing with with almost straight arms palms facing the floor squeezing the shoulder blades back retracting the shoulders and getting a nice big bit of tension on the on the on the posterior delt or why raises are quite good so you might um people might have a different name for them but so maybe laying down on a an, an inclined bench with some dumbbells and then from there, raising the dumbbells out to the sides, but more of a, in more of like a Y shape, yeah, is a great way to get some tension across the medial and posterior deltoid. And most of these are really important for posture as well, aren't they? And, and people oh, yeah. spend most of their days slumped over a desks, uh, de- desks, slumped over a desk, um, or like you said, when they go to the gym, they focus on things like chest training and stuff that are going to tighten, um, it, tighten the muscles at the front. Um, well, the chest muscles more. Chest, anterior delts, yeah, exactly. Giving them that rounded posture and then not focusing, and like you've said, or leaving it to the last, very last minute to do something that's actually going to possibly change your entire posture and protect you from injury. And, just, and, and make your waist look smaller. Oh, really? Because you make your shoulders well, you look bigger. We think about it, like the, you know, and, and, and Learning pointed this out, and we always talk to people about posture because the second you're more upright, yeah, the waist looks narrower. You, uh, straight away, your, your waist looks smaller immediately. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. Yet, you know, I mean, like the amount of postures you see of people that train predominantly their chest. Oh, God, right? I always think it's awful when you can see people are just so rounded and the traps are like sort of all pulled forward. But again, they just it just doesn't look healthy, does it, when you've got that? Oh, God, no. I mean, well, it's not healthy, is it? No, I mean, no. you know, in terms of like longevity and, and back pain and just generally how you look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and that's another thing, you know. But that people, is a very typical bodybuilding look as well, isn't it? That sort of... Well, it, well, not necessarily a typical bodybuilding look, like a typical... Gym look. Like gym look, in the, yeah. you know, because if there's... The bodybuilders out there that know what they're doing, they, they know how to split their workouts up yeah. and to ensure that, you know, because, you know, having a, a less dominant muscle group on stage is a pretty big deal. Yeah. So a bodybuilder will make sure that everything's up to speed. But it, I always find it funny. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, you can go into any gym anywhere in the world and most people are always training chest. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a Monday or whatever day it is, people are always training chest. Yet, if they just kind of thought, hold on a minute, I'm feeling quite sloped over, my back needs bringing up to speed, I know what I'll do. I'll make, for every exercise I do on my chest, I'm going to do two for my back and my posterior delts to, to try and balance it out. People don't kind of make that connection because they always think they need to kind of keep that even focus. But if anything, you need to start focusing on those weaker muscle groups 
to bring them up to speed. So if you are quite chest dominant, which a lot of people are, um, you know, you might then, if you're doing three exercises for your chest, you might want to make sure that you're doing six exercises for your back and your and your posterior delts. And so would you put them at the beginning of a workout so that it's before you're fatigued, or do you not think it just split them up throughout the workout, balance them with the chest exercises, or? Well, I mean, you know, you could always do like a, a push pull superset. Yeah. You know, so you might do your, you know, an incline dumbbell press followed by some pull ups or some barbell rows, you know, something like that, and then, but then just carry on with the with the back or. Um, posterior exercises after that um or you know you can do them on separate days you can do them on you know some people are quite big on ampm training you know so you might divvy them up where do you have the time for that some people do it's <laughs> insane right but but you know the message i'm trying to get across is, is you know is don't be afraid to kind of just stop for a moment assess your training assess your posture assess your goals and how much you're progressing and make changes accordingly you know, if you've stuck to a specific rep range, a specific body split, or, you know, the, the certain types of exercises for quite a substantial amount of time and you're not happy with the results you've got, just change it up. I would say also, if you're not getting um, muscle soreness anymore, um, that was always a big one for me, that perhaps you're either in an overtrained state or not shocking the body enough. I need to change yeah, what but, you're doing but there is but the thing is though there's muscle soreness right that kind of lets you know you've trained quite hard and yeah. then there's performance debilitating soreness to yeah, where yeah, yeah. just even just general movement is quite difficult which every now and again is quite a good thing to do because it shows that your body did need a change of stimulus yeah but then if your main aim is to be ridiculously sore the next day every workout and if you do succeed, A, it's going to tell me that, A, you may be varying your workouts far too much. B, your nutrition and lifestyle choices are off whack and you're not recovering enough. Because if you're ridiculously sore after every workout, something's wrong. Yeah. Because over time... Magnesium you... deficient. <laughs> not enough ice cream. <laughs> That's my answer for everything. Those geniuses that create protein ice cream, I love you. <laughs> Did you have one when you were back? I didn't. Oh, okay. I didn't. But but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so it's all about kind of striking that balance of structure with a decent amount of variation and stimulation, being able to vary your rep ranges and not worry that it doesn't fall into the muscle building bracket. I mean, for example, you know, I'm quite a huge fan of the five by five, um, you know, five sets of five reps. And my body does respond quite well to strength-based work. You know, my, my strength goes up quite quickly and it allows me to put on muscle. And I've, I've, the amount of conversations I've had in the gym where a lot of people ask me how I manage to put on muscle with lower repetitions, but that works for me, you know. But that's but I don't just focus on strength. You know, I don't do out-and-out out strength all the time. I mix it up with my kind of 6 to 8 reps. I might do 8 to 10 reps. Then other weeks, you know, I might focus on complete opposite end of anywhere between one and three reps and perform eight to ten sets you know and, and for me it gives me that mental stimulus um it also allows me to start hitting some big numbers because obviously naturally what i lift for three reps will be substantially more than what i lift for 10 so it massages my ego because it allows <laughs> me to hit some bigger numbers which is always good and it keeps me on the right track but then equally i know that if i just then stick to that and do it for too long I'll either A, stop getting results, 
or worse yet, um, get injured, which is actually something that did happen to me a couple of years ago. I got so wrapped up in strength-based training and it was great. I mean, I was getting stronger almost every week and my deadlift was going up, squat, bench, everything. I felt amazing. But then I was placing so much demand on my central nervous system because of the nature of the training. Um, wasn't quite recovering enough, but I just wanted to keep adding weight to the bar, get stronger and stronger. Then next thing you know, I got a shoulder injury and I got a back injury to which I'm still paying the price for now. You know, as much as I'm working around them and I'm, I am getting some really good progress, it's taken me a long time to rectify that problem. But I think one thing that's um, supposed to mention that's also been important to you, and you've mentioned this quite a lot recently, is um, sort of sports-specific training or taking part in sports. Yeah. Um, and people, I think, are often shocked when you might have like a leisurely game of football with some people. Recently on a course we did, there was a bit, you know, a game of football and you know, the fact that you can sprint up, you know, like the way that you'll move across a sports field, whether it be rugby, football, or um, in this instance, we were actually playing football where we had to wear big inflatable balls. Well, but, we had a kickabout before that. Yeah, we? yeah. And I just think that that's always been something important to you. And again, people, I think, lack that as part of their training structure. So as well as the emphasis on weight training is great, you don't want to lose key movement patterns yeah. in the body and things like reflexes and coordination and balance. And that's what sports really does bring quite a lot of that to the picture. And you've always maintained at some point you'll dive out of weight training and go and do basketball or you'll stop the basketball and you'll focus on doing some sprint work and some running. And I think my biggest criticism of the way you train is you don't walk enough. <laughs> walk enough? <laughs> because I think that... I'm a big fan of walking on a daily basis and I sometimes think your your back issues would improve if you yeah. were if you stood more and you walked more across the day. Well, so sometimes... rather than doing loads of the great sports training and heavy training and then... Well, I do sometimes doing, yeah. go from being ridiculously sedentary yeah. all day long because yeah. I've been working to then going into to the then gym. going to the gym and absolutely yeah. smashing myself. I'm the other way around. I hardly do any weight training. I do loads of walking, but I would say that. But you're these on your are, feet a lot. Yeah, but these are key features that I think people should think about. Is as well as being. I, I was always big on this in the gym about when we started training kettlebells. What I love about them is the ballistic movement patterns um, are great because it's not just about lifting weights, pressing weights. You know, it really does encourage a bit yeah. better you know, joint health wise it was for me much more functional and but that's the thing like a lot of people would like um i mean don't get me wrong like we went through a phase where we were doing predominantly kettlebell training weren't we yeah and um it was always quite funny because a lot of people would say oh but but you can't get big you know doing kettlebells or you know kettlebells is more for endurance but i always like we always disagreed didn't we i mean yeah, whilst absolutely. your goals were very much not that you wanted to get big you know, like, whereas... Maybe, maybe I did. <laughs> whereas for me, you know, I felt that the, the kettlebell training complemented my, my my weight training quite well. You know, and things like heavy kettlebell presses or renegade rows, things like that, and doing really heavy uh, swings and really loading up my posterior chain had a really good carryover to my weight training. And yes, I'm not saying that if you do predominantly kettlebells, you'll be able to gain just as much mass as you would with a, a dumbbell-based or you know, cable and free weights exercise because I think the, the stimulus on the muscle is very different and you are quite limited with the kettlebell. But in terms of carryover and, again, hitting, you know, the, the, the variety which allows you to, 
to train consistently, ultimately in the long run, you will build more muscle, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's like different tools for different um, fitness goals, really. And that's the important thing. Just upskill yourself in all the different um, things that are available to you and make sure, you know, you've got great technique on barbell lifting, yeah. free weights, you know, your cable stuff. You can use some bells when, needed, when, when you need to. You're an efficient runner or sprinter. Um, you know, be an all-round athlete, which is essentially what you've always done, definitely. Um, because one, that's also new stimulus for the body and new stimulus for you mentally, which means that you can constantly um, change your program up every whatever yeah. six to eight weeks and say, I'm going to move into a bit of a sports space because not because a certain magazine said so, but because that's what you feel your body you feel needs. You're ready for a change. Yeah, yeah. And also as well, like you know, like don't be afraid to listen to your body on the day because if you've got a certain plan in place and you've mapped things out, that's fantastic. Like we, every single one of our clients has a training log. You know, for us, you need to write everything down and you need to make, you know, reps, sets, rest, um, exercises, etc. how you feel, blah, blah, blah. You know, you need to put that in a training log, otherwise you're just guessing. However, you might have planned to do a particular workout. Let's say it was, I don't know, legs and shoulders day and, it, and you were going to be focusing on 8 to 10 reps predominantly, for example, with reduced rest periods. But you get to the gym and you want to do something but you don't feel too hot. You don't really feel like doing some some high volume stuff. Maybe just think, hell, do you know what? I'm just going to do some squat variations, lower reps, more sets with longer rest periods in between because I don't want to go too crazy on the volume. You know, so you'll still get the stimulus. You'll get the endorphin rush, and you wouldn't have then just kind of like grinded for a workout that you didn't really want to do, and you kind of spent the whole time convincing yourself to stay in the gym rather than packing your bag and leaving. You know, so don't be afraid to listen to your body on the day, which I often do. You know, I'll get to the gym and think, oh, I don't want any intensity today, thank you very much. But some heavy lifting and some nice long rest periods will do me quite nicely. Yeah. And absolutely. then I do it, you yeah. know, and, and I still got the workout done. Yes, it maybe hadn't been what I planned, but bosh, I got it done nonetheless. With flexibility. Yeah, exactly. Flexibility. Be flexible. <laughs> um, don't just remind me, actually, though, uh, something else that... Uh, that Phil Lernie said, like he was talking about Olympic lifting. And he was saying that, you know, Olympic lifting in terms of a carryover to, to building muscle would kind of play a very little role aesthetically to build muscle. Um, but it's something that's it's just quite cool to do because it stimulates you mentally. It's cool to do. Uh, you might get quite excited about doing it, but you just need to come to terms with the fact that it probably won't pack on muscle like other exercises would. Yeah. You know, so... You need to kind of, A, make your mind up of what your goal is specifically, but B, you know, you do need to find things that are going to stimulate you and, and often learning new skills will do that, right? Well, absolutely. I was going to say, um, again, one of the things about being a personal trainer is you would read the client and some clients needed that education side of exercise. So they were all about learning the new skills and um, every time we did a course and came back and were like, oh, you know, we've been learning about the clean and jerk. They were like, oh, teach me the clean and jerk. Yeah. You know, there were some people who just really thrived on that and I'd actually say they got better results because they didn't feel that every single session had to be bang 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 just beast me just yeah. make it so that I can't walk out the gym you know like literally the stairs will be too much for me they were more about actually upskill me give me some technical expertise and and they'd spend the session so focused it would fly by and it's great as a trainer you love that because you are you are actually coaching you're not yeah. just going through the motions and I think it's one thing that I always recommend to people. You can always tell the types of people that this, this is going to be appropriate for, but for everyone, I always say um, 
even if you fancy a training break, go and learn a skill. Yeah. Um, because this, the courses are slow. So we, we've done Olympic lifting courses and you're doing it with an empty barbell. But it's really enjoyable. You're learning about movement patterns without actually having to stress the body effectively. And then as you're building up and practicing, and it, it, it's like he said, it's such, you get such a sense of achievement when you master yeah. a technical lift. You didn't have to force yourself to do it, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. So no, I can see why things like CrossFit are so addictive, because there's a lot of that in there. But do you remember, I, I was going to say, it reminds me of um, your, you, know, you had a client, Rob, oh, yeah, yeah. who I think thrived on, on doing you know, different things and learning different skills, yeah. be it with kettlebells, body weight, even like some more of the challenging like yoga-based moves. It's quite funny because I think a lot of the other PTs in the gym would be a bit like, well, oh, you know, here we go. Like, you know, what's he doing now kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Acrobatics. <laughs> you know, I mean, he done, you know, there were times he'd done some really funky stuff, like nothing stupid, like, you know, balancing on a bloody Swiss ball whilst doing a barbell snatch or anything like that. But, you know, there were things that just placed great demand on his body physically, mentally. Yeah, and... I was going to say, I'd, I'd do the more advanced war machine exercise with him when I wouldn't do them with a lot of people because there's a danger that they could go wrong and yeah. you, could, you could injure yourself. But he was really up for it. But also he had the focus and the... Sometimes he would turn up for a session and say, it's been a hard week at work, just something slow and technique-based. Like we, we had that relationship in the end where yeah. I was like, okay, do you know what? we're going to do some... Maybe some windmills or, or versions of windmills. I was going to say, because sometimes I'd look over and <laughs> you'd just doing a whole session of core-based yeah, yeah. and glute activation moves. Yeah, and he would understand why yeah. I was making him do those but things. But to a lot of PTs, they'd look over and think, what's this douche doing? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. he's paying for that hour and all he's doing is, like, glute activation and working his core. Yeah. Because PTs get into that, you know, habit. Not all PTs, because there's some awesome PTs out there of just planning an absolute pure annihilation of their client when they rock up. To be fair, you had a worse reputation for just gassing to clients than I did. Like, <laughs> it was a running joke in our gym that you'd walk past Matt and he'd have his hand on his hip <laughs> standing on one leg. <laughs> I'm actually doing that now, you ironically. <laughs> just, like, yabbering away and then... But again... It's because like... they were on a, doing a strength session. They needed longer rest periods <laughs> in between sets. <laughs> and it was always the women were so much worse. And I think some of them even knew how to play you in the end. Probably They'd be would. like, Matt, how is, how's it going with Kerry? Start, like, <laughs> start talking about things that they know that I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. What's your favourite ice cream? Yeah, yeah. Matt, what did, what, <laughs> where did you eat out of the weekend? But yeah. I know you, I know you couldn't be nice for a whole episode. <laughs> I need to get one dig in there no. somewhere. In your defence, you were you trained me for a while. You were an excellent personal trainer. Well, thank you, Kerry. I would hire you now, except I would probably cancel if I... Uh, yeah, you'd be to. more likely to refuse to do stuff. Yeah, exactly. But, um, <laughs> I tell you how to train me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think uh, I'd be better off doing this. <laughs> um, but no, what I was going to say was, though, is that but Rob got absolutely phenomenal results. Yeah, you know, don't get me wrong, he made some huge changes to his nutrition as well, but his muscle gain, his strength and everything went through through the roof, didn't it? Yeah, so, absolutely. Just having that different mindset and attitude and patience when it came to learning about exercise, yeah. which is something a lot of people are like, just now, just tell me now, just, you know. But he was consistent and he was determined and, yeah. he, and he kept coming week after week, which is which is the most important thing. And I mean, and got, also, what, just one thing to emphasise, in all of my clients who were very keen on learning the technique before the intensity got the best results. Oh, yeah. Because they wanted to be perfect, not perfect, but they wanted to get the right movement pattern before they increase the weight or increase the, um, you know, the number of reps or whatever it may be or try 
shorter rest periods and they yeah they, they always got better results it's funny because um something that Lernie said which i thought was absolutely brilliant because i used to see it so often not with my clients obviously um <laughs> but the amount of people that would hire a personal trainer and their goal was to fr- fr- from a s- aesthetics perspective to lose body fat and build some muscle because the pt couldn't get those results with them they just stopped for getting them to lift the really heavy deadlift so the client would leave thinking, yeah, man, like totally 100 kg deadlift today. And it almost kind of like made him forget that actually, hold on, the main reason I went to the PT was because I wanted to lose body fat and then and gain some muscle. And I've, I've not done either of those. But, <laughs> but, you know, I have lifted quite heavy. I've lifted, lifted quite heavy barbell off the floor. Um, and I thought it was so interesting because how many times on Facebook do you, now do you see, oh, check out my client nailing, you know, like a one and a half times their body weight, like deadlift. Yeah, you and know. then the client doesn't look that healthy yeah. doing it. you know, it. as an observation, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to critique anybody, but that's a, an observation and, you know, Phil only highlighted it and I thought, God, it is so true. You well, know. actually, I would say increasingly, I'm noticing just from general Facebook, like, posts that you've just said and, and working with our groups online is, and I've always said this, there's way too much emphasis on exercise achievements now and... I used to be obviously a full-time trainer like you did and I was very similar in that sense that I was pretty much all about exercise achievements yeah. at the detriment of my health. You're so like, ex- totally nailed 50 minutes on the cross training yeah. today. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but I did. Smash level 16 on the cross trainer. <laughs> it was. I remember deciding that before I taught spin classes, I used to teach spin classes, I'd have to do 300 snatches in, I can't remember what time I set myself and literally... And I came up with all these stupid exercise um, goals. You know, I, was, I am and still passionate about exercise and movement. But um, you're right. I see this so much in that people are almost... And in my mind, what I used to say was I actually started to notice myself gaining a bit of weight um, and not looking as healthy and got a few comments from clients. Um, and actually, a really defining moment for me was I think the strongest I ever got with the kettlebells um, on the very same day that I pressed my heaviest kettlebell, I had a new client come and see me. And she gave me, and female personal trainers will so um, know how this feels, she gave me the once over. So all new, all clients go go to their PT and they, they look you up and down. I don't think men get it as much as female PTs. And she said, is all this kettlebells going to make me look like you? But didn't say it in a complimentary manner. It was in a, you don't look that healthy to me. Um, you know whether that was because she thought I looked bulky or um, but I was I was probably a stone heavier than I am now some of that was muscle a stone yeah stone heavier really? than I am now yeah I was about nine nine and a half stone and now I'm just on nah. nearly eight and a half weight regardless most of that would have been muscle because I was a lot stronger than I am yeah. now and I was training quite intensely um, in my head it was all right because I just pressed the heaviest kettlebell ever yeah. um but actually, it was the first sign to me that I was probably pushing myself too far and my body was going to not look that great as a result of it. So but, but that was it's the just thing, interesting that we see that now. And you almost, I use those exercise achievements as justification for not looking that good physically. That makes sense? No, 100%. 100%. I was like, it doesn't really matter because I'm just heavy. I'm the, I'm the strongest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> but do you see why it is important then to, I mean, obviously you do see this, but because lifting heavy makes you feel awesome yes yeah, yeah. totally no, it does yeah. but if you do it too often you're not going to get the desired results which is why you need to vary it you, you know what i mean because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. wrong on the days when i like ripped a new pb or pr whichever you want to call it you know off the floor i'd be pumped for yeah. the day like it was like nothing could go wrong 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It could be like, oh, you, you know, you've just been burgled. What? It don't matter. I just smashed the PB on my deadlift. Yeah, you know yeah. what? You know, it's all good. You know, because and it's a great feeling. Ultimately, you can then get a little bit too carried away with that, Definitely. And, and then you know, and then you stop getting the results that you desire, and blah 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 blah. But one last thing I want to kind of just say, and just I want to put it out there. I'm going to be doing a free webinar on on hypertrophy and and gaining muscle. Um, soon so check, check out the fitter food page for, for updates on that I'll probably go out to our uh, email list as well um, if you want to get on that email me matt at fitterlondon.co.uk and we can add you to the email database so yeah going to be doing a hypertrophy webinar but something I do want to highlight is that you know a lot of times when it comes to to, to building muscle and training and nutrition etc but let's stick to training for now is that most people just forget the basics they get so wrapped up, you know, like the latest article or the latest scientific study that they just forget the basics. They forget the basic moves, uh, you know, the, the, the basic compound lifts. You know, they try and get so creative with their workouts, they become uncreative. It just all goes a little bit wrong and then people start getting frustrated. So just don't forget the basics, guys. You know, your big lifts, your deadlifts, your benching, presses, rows, pull-ups, etc. And of course, squats. You know, make sure they feature in your workout. Don't go kind of, don't get too kind of funky with like crazy cable variations and whatnot. I mean, cables are awesome for for hypertrophy, but you know, just stick to the basic moves. Do you want? I was going to say, do you want to know how basic I've taken it to at the moment? For you, yeah. So obviously, um, if people have listened to, I think it was podcast nineteen. I'm taking a break from intense training and doing lots of walking, lots of yoga, occasional little jogs with Hamish. That's about it. But in terms of my resistance training, I've gone so basic. I do 100 bodyweight squats, followed by 100 walking lunges, followed by 50 push-ups. What's absolutely amazing is I'm only doing it once, maximum twice a week. That's how basic I am at the moment. And I don't know, wouldn't you say I've pretty much retained muscle, either in like tone? I think you're hot. <laughs> I think you're smoking. But that's just how especially, basic especially you can nice go. Tan. <laughs> I have to say, like, obviously my nutrition and sleep is, is my big focus yeah. at the moment. But um, really amazing for me to know that that's, that's how basic I can take it. And uh, there's a part of me that just loves exercise and is itching to get back onto kettlebells and maybe a bit of war machine training. But, um, yeah, that's how basic you can go. Yeah, but you have your reasons yeah. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for not doing that at the moment. But if you are, you know, struggling for time, I think... Um, Elisa, who is our social media pro, helps us out, did the workout with me on the beach when she came to visit. Yeah. And both of us said, you ache. Like, if you're not doing that much, you know, you, I ached for about three days after that, my legs and well, my bum. Would you remember like, you know, <laughs> the, the 100 rep challenge stuff we've been doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I done, I mean, I bumped it up to 200 reps for one day and I done 200 press-ups across, across one day. Across the day, yeah. And they were with, like, moderate control on the way down and explosive on the way up. And, yeah. God, my chest was so sore the next for day, two days. yeah afterwards because i suppose it was just a shock to the body you know yeah. when, when did i last do press-ups across a day we definitely should start on the facebook page um the 100 rep challenge like each day and get everyone to do it with us ran, ran mcdonald of uh, simple strength yep have um, a look at his site check out his stuff he he's the guy who created the 100 rep challenge and it's just about promoting daily movement you know it's not about necessarily doing stuff that's crazy intense but it's just about daily movement sprints press-ups squats it can be mobility work. You know, it can be 100 reps of mobility work, yeah. you, you know, whatever it may be. Rehab exercises, if they're on your list. And also, it doesn't need to be just 100 reps, does it? That's just a bit of a ballpark figure. Yeah, it's yeah. just to get you to, you know, be as creative as you can and, and do, you know, X amount of reps each day. Uh, but daily movement is the main aim. So check out Simple Strength or 100repchallenge.com. Yeah. I think it's both. You'll be able to find that information on that. 
But just to wrap up, sorry if I kind of just went off on one on the hypertrophy no, there. I just get I get very very excited about it um, because you know I love it for my own training as that as well as that of our clients and our online plans etc. But um, but like I said, I'm going to be doing a free webinar, so look out on stuff like that. You know, we'll be looking at training programs, repetition ranges, understanding time under tension, and and just how muscles work generally to get a better idea of you know what you could do to make things work for you and meet your goals. And also, uh, I'm going to be blogging about this because I think it'd be quite cool. And if you do find it interesting, be sure to follow the blog series. But uh, yeah, essentially, I'm going to share what I'm doing, you know, yeah. on a nutritional front, a supplement front and a training front. I mean, I wanted to do this anyway, but obviously after the Fuel Learning Seminar, I feel even more inspired and motivated to do so. And I've now learned that you're some, skinny as well. And now that I feel like a bit of a skinny <laughs> mofo, um, definitely want to definitely do it. But, um, you know, I've learned some awesome nuggets of information whilst at the Learning Seminar and and I'm raring to go on top of obviously the stuff that I already knew. But yeah, so, you know, I hover around the 100 kilo mark. I've lost, the last time I checked when I was back in London, I'd lost 10 pounds across the, the week through the under eating, which was like, you know, I was clutching my pearls, you know, and, <laughs> like, how could it be? And I'm sure a lot of women are like, God, I wish I had that issue. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I normally hit the, hover around the 100 kilo, 10 to 12% body fat, like I said, but I'm looking I want to try and get up to about 103, 104 kgs, sticking to that body fat, so 10 to 12%. You know, it's going to take a little bit of time, but I'm determined to do it. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing that journey um, with you guys. So There's going to be a lot of steak on the Facebook page. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be done, it's going to be done properly, and I'm going to get the results, I know I am. Because I'm determined like that, I just can't wait to eat, damn it. <laughs> um, but anyway, guys... Um, just yeah that was just a general bit of like info sharing i guess um anything you want to add carries no 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 i had some stuff but we'll save it for the next episode i've got yeah. some new research on sleep that i was just um going to share but we'll save it for episode what is it 27 it will be episode 27 yeah, yeah. we're on a roll with them so we'll get we're recording. doing well we're doing well yeah so guys yeah thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed it um, check out the other podcasts. Have a good catch up if you've if you've yet to do so. We are back on it now with the with the podcast, and we've got some really awesome guests lined up as well. Um, so definitely tune into those. As always, guys, please, please, please uh, leave us a review um, and a rating, and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast because essentially that's what keeps it going. You know, we need to know that people are actually listening. <laughs> Otherwise, we're just like recording ourselves each week and. Just for our own benefit. Just for our own benefit, yeah. Uh, but yeah, guys, so yeah, well, that'd be greatly appreciated. And if you could share it on social media as well, that'd be absolutely epic. So, folks, enjoy your training, enjoy your food, get lots of sleep, be awesome, and I will see you, or more to the point, I will speak to you <laughs> over in episode 27. Bye. Ta-ra.